Hey everyone, welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jerry Scarlato. Today I have a conversation with ex-Army Ranger turned entrepreneur, Jeremiah Solvent. Jeremiah and I talked at a business conference in July, hit it off. He had a lot of good things to say. Turns out he trains a lot of people on how to overcome their own um, internal indiscretions, if you will. And so I thought that it'd be great to have a good conversation. He talks a lot about how to help us perceive things differently, how to think differently about things and realize that it is our minds mostly that are getting in the way between where we are and where we want to be. He goes in depth a lot in how he's used his training and his experience in the army to overcome a lot of his own internal demons and to help other people move past their own obstacles as well. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Jeremiah Solvent. Jeremiah, what's up, brother? How are you doing today? Good, bro. Jerry, good, good, good. great to connect with you here, my man. Ready to help out your audience yeah. succeed, lead at a higher level, kick ass and win, my man. No doubt. Uh, I'm excited that we met in Boston. We met at the sit down, which was uh, an absolutely phenomenal event. I think we'll talk a little bit about that today because I know that there was a bunch that I learned coming out of that, uh, just a ton. I mean, two days of just phenomenal, uh, phenomenal stuff from those guys there and just the whole crowd in general. But uh, yeah, man, I'm super excited that we connected and super excited to have this conversation. And I'd like to start it with comfort because I don't know if you've ever read Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter, uh, a freaking just a great book. The whole book is obviously about how our society is just engulfed in comfort, whether that's at home, whether that's at work, like we're just striving to be as comfortable as possible, we're striving for instant gratification, we're striving for the simplest way to do things. And if you look at your list of accomplishments on your profile, on your website, Conquer Academy, which we'll get to in a second, um, it's basically everyone's worst nightmare, I would say, right? So ultra marathons, Ironmans, martial art, cage fighting, army ranger, entrepreneur, basically a world of discomfort, right? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's worst nightmare. So what compelled you? Like, was that something that was ingrained in you at an early age? Um, let's start with that. Like, how did you how did you get down that road of just like striving for discomfort? Yeah, man. Um, well, as we kick this thing off, guys, gals, ladies and gentlemen, everybody listening, I just want to start this off by um, saying my mission on this, this episode, however long it goes, um, is to deliver value to you and help transform your life. I, I live my life on purpose. You know, I'm very intentional with everything that I do. And so I don't want to waste anybody's time for not even a second. So anybody that's tuning in right now, I just want you to understand that that's my mission. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to give my absolute best today. I'm going to give 110%. Because what I've found over the years is that our 100% is always a lie. You know, there was a time in my life where I was scared to as hell to complete the army two mile run. Okay. I was nervous and anxious and uncomfortable. Every time they said, Hey, we have a diagnostic coming up. We need you to run two miles. And I had fear of failure. I had, I would get so nauseous. I'd be in and out of the bathroom and while my life transformed by doing hard stuff and we'll, we'll get to all this. I ended up running 103 miles in the Colorado Rockies. Now, I signed up for that race on a Sunday, and I ran it the following Saturday. I had no train up, and it was just straight grit and purpose that got me through. So, you know, as I start this off, I want to just say that I'm going to – my goal is to help you transform in any way possible. Now, I'm talk, we're going to talk probably a lot about fitness, but the things that we talk about here apply to every aspect of your damn life. They apply to your, your relationships. They apply to your fun they apply to your money. They apply to every, your business. It doesn't matter what it is. Hard things are what drive results in your life, like doing the hard things. I always like to say it's on the other side of the shit you don't want to do where all the goals that you have, where all the dreams that you have. It's on the other side. That So as we kick this off, you know, you said, you know, Jerry, you said as we, as we started is, were you always like this and how did you become so mentally tough and, and have so much grit? Well, I was raised in a town of about 300 people. And I was raised in a town of Northern California, Northern California. I had three brothers. And I think if I started off developing grit at any point in time, it was in my household. You know, we, uh, I had a loving household. 
It was very caring, but it was, you know, I got three brothers, man. We're all yeah. close in age. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Plus my dad was in the house. So that's four boys that my mom was managing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Poor girl. So, yeah, I know. So um, long story short is I think that really it started there. I had a few brothers, you know, three brothers. We wrestled around a lot. I played in the mountains of Northern California. We used, my dad was a bear hunter. So he used wow. to take, yeah, he used to take me out as an extra hand and I would go hunt bears with him out in the woods. Now, when I got into high school, I found wrestling and I was a, a shy kid. I was an insecure kid. I didn't believe in myself a lot, but for some reason, wrestling is a one-on-one -on -one sport, right? So I, I, the older kids convinced me to come and try out and it scared the hell out of me, but I tried it and you know what? I could hold my own probably because I had my brothers, right? I had been trained. No literally yeah, my whole no life. Doubt. You were trained in your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So really my foundation of my life started with humble upbringings. We didn't have a whole lot of money. My mom, you know, put us in a lot of different sports to try them out. And I really clung to wrestling. What I loved about it was that it was a one-on-one -on -one competition. It was me versus the other guy. And I started doing, you know, my first year in wrestling, I wasn't, I didn't do too well. I mean, pretty much everybody balled me up, but I was able to hold my own. And so I got a little victory and I got some, you know, I started stacking some wins by my senior year. I believe I lost like two matches that entire year. Um, I wasn't good enough to go on and, and, and compete at the state level. However, I did lose just twice that entire year, but I lost the one match that did that mattered the most. And I didn't get to go to state. So when that happened, I ended up drifting. I joined a community college. I went there for two semesters. I had no purpose, no direction, a lot like a lot of people in life, but I was just doing what everybody else did. So I went and I was just doing the party lifestyle, coming home, just, you know, having fun and not really living on purpose. Yeah. So what ended up happening is I got sick and tired of that. And I decided to drop out. I came home one day at 2 PM. My friends were partying. I said, listen, man, I feel dead and miserable inside. I got no purpose, no direction. And I'm just wasting my life away. You know what? I'm going to join the military. So I called my recruiter, I enlisted in the military, and I started off on the enlisted side as an engineer. Okay, so I came in the military, everybody was in charge of me, and I was doing basically civil engineer type work. Okay, it was a long pipeline for me to get trained up, about six to eight months. After that, I got to my first unit. Then I went to Iraq. I was there for 15 months. I was wow. in Iraq. I, was in, I turned 20 and 21 in Iraq. Wow. And um, it was during that deployment, I decided, you know what? I had given up on myself. I want to pursue my dream inside. I wasn't really living what I wanted. I was doing what everybody else would have done and what everybody else recommended. They said, hey, be an engineer. It makes sense. So I did that. And I learned that during that deployment that there was a warrior's call inside of me. You know, yeah. I was sitting in this middle of the city, uh, Bakuba, Iraq, and the 82nd Airborne were clearing a village about a mile or so from my location. It was about two o'clock in the morning. There was gunfire going on. Apaches were flying in and I'm laying there, 20 year old Jeremiah, my helmet on my head, laying in between some concrete barriers here in this gunfight. And I'm sitting there at this patrol base doing engineer work, thinking, what in the hell am I doing with my life? <laughs> and it was in that moment that I looked up at the stars and I felt that warrior's call. And I said, I shouldn't be over here. I should be over there. I should be in that gunfight. You know, I think everybody in life has something heroic that they want to go do. They want to pursue something greater than themselves and they want to achieve some level of significance. And for me, since I wasn't able to achieve the heights that I had in athletics in wrestling, when I was laying there in that city in Bakuba, what I wanted next was, you know, I said, you know what? I got nothing to lose. What's the next hardest thing that I should do? I should be over there in that gunfight fighting in battle. And so anyways, I decided to switch gears and become an infantry officer. I applied for the Army's Green to Gold Scholarship Program, which scared the hell out of me because I wasn't very strong academically. Um, but through a lot of persistence and a lot of failure, I went back to school. I dealt with all the adjustment issues that you deal with, going from a deployment back to college, social issues, anxiety, all that type of stuff. And through constant failure and learning from my mistakes, I graduated and I was selected and approved to become an infantry officer. That was a dream come true. While I was doing that, my, one of my goals was to become get into special operations. And for me, it scared the hell out of me. I was scared. I, you know, I like to say in life, mostly I've, uh, I've lived a life of, you know, living scared, not playing it safe. Hmm. And so I, I was meaning I was pursuing this dream of becoming an infantry officer. And then the next thing I want to do, I want to become an operator in special operations. And that scared the hell out of me. 
but I don't let my fear stop me. So I lean into it. Okay. I don't play it safe in life. I like to live a little bit scared. I like to be a little bit on edge because that's when I get the best out of myself. So I leaned in and I pursued that path scared as hell that I wasn't going to make it. But to much of my surprise, I was approved to attend the Ranger assessment selection program. I passed and I was, a uh, I was, a uh, awarded and selected and approved to be a uh, 75th Ranger, which is a special operations Ranger. Those guys are in charge of high value target raids and airfield seizures. So they specialize in jumping into an airfield, taking over that airfield in one period of darkness, and then going into conducting raids from that airfield um, as the mission dictates. So it was a very high intense mission set and not a whole lot of officers made it to that level. And in fact, it was a lot like being in the NFL. Okay, I came into the army basically playing flag football. And when I made it to the 75th Ranger Regiment, I was in the pros. And I'm still feeling wow. like I belong in, in playing flag football. You know what I'm saying? So I dealt with all that. Not only that, but then Imposter all my syndrome. big time, bro. So yep. big time. And mm -hmm. so not only that, but then our platoon was my platoon was the bad mother's platoon. Badass name, right? Very fitting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those guys taught me a lot about being a Ranger. They taught me everything about being a great leader, character, morals, ethics, all that. And we were selected. Out of the entire regiment, we were one of two platoons selected to go overseas and lead high-value target raids against enemy combatants of the United States. So what this is, is if you've ever seen a bin Laden raid on the internet or a movie around it, very similar type of mission set where you're going to go in, snatch and grab, capture or kill, and then get in, get out in one period of darkness. That's what my task force and my guys were responsible for. So we went overseas, and we were basically playing in the uh, Super Bowl, right? We're now we're in the Super Bowl. And there was two officers, two Ranger platoon leaders this time. It was me and one other guy in the entire regiment. We were doing these, and, and this is for the Afghanistan deployment. Um, so we're doing that mission set. These are enemies that combatants that the president had visibility of. Okay, these are high-value targets. We go in, and uh, on my last Ranger mission, that mission goes south. It was New Year's Eve, and we go into this mission while everybody else in the United States is going out and partying, getting ready to celebrate the new year. Me and my guys, the bad mothers and my task force were going in for my last Ranger mission. When we got on the ground, helicopters flew in. We walked to the target. The mission went south. We started taking heavy gunfire. The enemy started dropping grenades on top of us. We had multiple, numerous friendly casualties, guys getting shrapnel to the legs. One of my team leaders lost an eye. The uh, Sergeant Hanley and uh, yeah, it just hit me. But so we were partnered with the Afghan special operators. We that several of them got wounded as well. And anyways, what ended up happening on that mission is we had to withdraw, which for a ranger, it's like one of the worst things in the world, right? To have to pull out. But my commander made the call and it was the right call because we didn't have anybody left. We were combat ineffective on the way out. My helicopter almost took an RPG, um, almost went down. Uh, fortunately, I was I was unarmed. Everybody on the aircraft was unarmed. Unfortunately, my guys were completely jacked up. Now, the heroes that night on the in the gunfight were my Rangers, man. Those guys, you know, they were my family. And uh, they taught me a lot about grit. They taught me a lot about perseverance. One of my um, – a guy I was – one of my partners in the Rangers, he was a platoon sergeant. He saved an Afghan's life in that mission. And he, he went into gunfire and saved this man's life. So the next day, um, I felt pretty, I felt, I had a lot of guilt. I felt like it was my responsibility that the mission went south and it was my fault. Mm -hmm. Well, my, my task force, our higher headquarters, they ended up smoking and destroying and eliminating a lot of bad guys that came off that objective the next day and actually achieved strategic success. After that mission, we went back to the, back to the States. And unfortunately I had to leave and I spent about two years alone. Um, I had to leave. I went on to another military school. I went on another deployment. And it was during that period of time that things got really dark for me. I started drinking too heavily. Um, if things got so bad, one night I put a gun to my head. And um, I didn't end it. What I decided to do was change my life. I said, you know what? You're going to learn from this. What you're going to do is you're going to pursue higher levels of success. You're going to dedicate the rest of your world, your life to making the world a better place to make up for this flaw, make up for this mistake that you're responsible for. Now, was it all my fault? No. It, it, you know, this is a lot of people that went in and planned on this mission, but I just took a massive ownership and massive responsibility and it ate at my core. 
So this is the burden of command. This is the burden of leadership. All leaders that are out there listening, you guys are going to go through something in this life where something's going to eat at you. You're going to be so torn up about it. Now it's relative to you. It's going to hurt incredibly bad. But what ends up happening in this time, you got to make a choice at some point. You got to decide whether you're going to let this hold you down or if you're going to pick yourself back up and get focused and make a difference with what happened. Okay, so that's what I chose to do. And I started finding a mentor. I started searching for a mentor. I found one. I got my life together. I became an entrepreneur. Um, years later, I separated from service. And now what I'm doing is I'm helping business owners, entrepreneurs triple their revenue by teaching them leadership and mindset strategies that I learned in the military and through learning uh, the lessons in war. I love it, man. And that's Conquer Academy. That is. Which, which, like I said, we'll get to, which I love the name. Whenever you told me that name uh, yeah. when we were talking in Boston, I love that name. Fantastic. So what was the... I love how you were actively moving towards you were actively moving towards discomfort because you knew that that's what you needed to do in order to overcome a lot of the barriers that you had in the beginning you you knew you were messing up when you were 19 or 20 before you got into the service you knew things weren't going well and you knew that you needed to make a big shift in your life so you jumped into the service and after you went through everything with the raid and everything and everything went south and you had that big downfall, which by the way, I can, I, I can somewhat empathize with that. Now yeah. I didn't go, I was never in the service. I never had that level of. It's all uh, relative to us though, bro. It's it, all it relative to everybody. You know? It certainly is. So I'm not going to try and downplay it uh, to any significant degree, but I can, I can empathize with the feeling of yeah. uh, just feeling lost in the world. Right not knowing what to do, not feeling like life's worth living and all and all that. And then realizing in that moment when you when you were like convincing yourself to take your life that you needed to then make another shift to to pull yourself out of it. So I guess how did you do you feel like that awareness? Because awareness is, I think, the most not I think it's, it's probably the most important thing to any anything in life. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a psychologist that said, if you don't make the unconscious conscious, it'll dictate your life and you'll call it fate. Yeah. So like, how do you cultivate that level of awareness? Now I know in those moments, it's like the darkest moments. Right. And I think yeah. for a lot of people set, not, um, it is what it is, but like, it takes those dark moments to really like snap yourself, yeah, pull yourself out of it and then drive yourself to the next phase, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully what we do is, is learn to not dive as deep into those dark moments. Right. Yeah. How do you start to cultivate that awareness though? Like of when that backslide starts to happen. Yeah. Here's the thing is I learned this, you know, I've had a lot of mentors over my life and I call the culmination of all of them. I call him major steel. Major steel is a persona is a person that's taught me lessons my entire life. Sometimes he was a military leader. Sometimes he was a member of my family. Other times he was an entrepreneur that, you know, multimillionaire or, or decamillionaire that helped me along in life. And, you know, mentorship has really helped me out tremendously. And I would recommend that everybody here, you know, picks up one at some point. But my point with this is that one of my mentors, he had taught me when I was a brand new infantry platoon leader. He told me when you're not at war, you need to prepare for war. Mm, that's good. Okay. And he told me, you need to always be honing your knife. And this is one of the problems in society is that a lot of people don't wait to overcome a bad day until the bad day happens. And then they get caught and they can't recover because they haven't trained themselves to. So what I've done over the years is I went from that small, shy, you know, boy into my resume now. And really my resume, I, I can't even believe half the stuff that you said when you said it, to be honest, <laughs> you know, I, but I, cause I've just been focused on training myself to do hard things continuously. Like it's become a way of life for me. And it all stems from wanting to prepare myself for the darkest moments that are ahead. And this is the, this is the thing every listener should like really embody and start, let this sink in. You're going to have a bad day in the future. You're going to have one. I don't care what type of seat, maybe you're having one right now. And when that opportunity, cause it is an opportunity when that opportunity hits. Okay. You have three choices. It's fight. It's flight or it's freeze. Okay. Now, and you deal, you deal with this every situation, every, all over the place in your life. You deal with this with dinner. 
like you and your wife are talking about going out to dinner. You're like, Hey babe, where you want to go? And you're like, fight, flight, or freeze. Do I, do I take the lead? Do I fight? Do I freeze? Let her make the decision or do I flee, run away and just kind of like cower, you know, be disappear. So you need to constantly in your life, you need to be looking for ways to train yourself to fight. Okay. And one of the ways that I've done that over the years, I created this thing called suffering Saturday. All right. Now suffering Saturday, it, I'm a big, I'm a big believer. I like high performance. I love teaching people higher performance. And so one of the things that I like to do, I say, all right, listen, if mental toughness is important to me, how can I optimize this process? So I do two really core things that help me optimize my mental strength and mental toughness. And that first thing is suffering Saturday. And that's every single Saturday I wake up and I ask myself, what do I not want to do? That's going to challenge me mentally and physically. Sometimes that's like, meditate for a full hour other times it's like hey man let me go run this mountain it's 32 miles let me go run that uh the other time hey dude you got a freaking cage fight today let's go do that so little by little you can start working and building your toughness there the other thing that i do is a daily action plan my life is completely transformed because i have every single day for years i've written out five things that i'm resisting that support my goals and growth and i do those five things every single day and I give myself a victory. Now, everybody has this ability. Like you, you great leaders and great human beings, okay? The best of the best, they're extremely resilient. They're extremely, extremely mentally tough. They can have some of the toughest people I know can have everything collapsing on top of them. And they, they don't give a shit. They're like, you know what? I still know my value. I still know my worth in life. I still know I'm going to recover from this. And their results don't dictate how they feel. Okay, so what we need to do as a person, as what we need to do as leaders, is we need to build ourselves into somebody that doesn't allow outside influences dictate how we think, feel, and operate. You can have a great day even when everything's collapsing. You can still find the good in it. And that's what I want to encourage everybody to do. The military taught us embrace the suck, right? They're like, yeah, hey, man, you're going to be out in the rain sleeping for days on end. Just embrace the suck, dude. Have a good time while you're out there. So it's so it's so paramount and key so you guys said hey what can somebody do to help build themselves build their mental toughness and become more resilient the thing you need to do is every single day you need to build mental toughness like you would any other muscle that's as simple as i can put it <laughs> no i and i 100 agree with you i want to go back to five things you're resisting so i think i know what you mean by that sure um but can you explain what you mean by that? Sure. So, um, because here's what I hear. Sorry, I'm. I just no, no. Let's see what you got. Uh, here's what I hear when I hear five things I'm resisting. Uh, anybody who's trying and thinking about starting something, you think about all the th all the steps that you need to take, and it kind of gets overwhelming, and it bottles up in your head, and it becomes what is it analysis by par or paralysis by analysis right you're just thinking about yeah. too many of the steps or you're thinking about all the options and you can't decide on which one to to start with so what i'm assuming it is is something to that effect it's like those things that you know you need to do that they may not be scary per se they may not be this big huge obstacle per se but it's it's the thing that you need to do that for some ungodly reason you're just not pushing yourself to do it right. so anyway, that's yes. my that's exactly right. So what it is, everything you want in life is on the other side of the shit you don't want to do. Think about this. When you're young, the girl that you want to talk to, you don't want to go up and ask her for a date, her number, her name, whatever it is. When you start your business, you're scared to go ask for the first sale. When, you, when I joined the military, I was scared to apply to become a ranger. Everything that you want is on the other side of the stuff you don't want to do. So what does that mean? What's the deduction? The deduction is, well, okay, I need to do every single thing that I don't want to do. And I need to be hunting for it on a regular basis. So what most people do is they do the things that they like to do. They do the things that they're comfortable doing. And that's why their life looks the same year after year after year. They don't ever confront their resistance. Myself, I dropped out of college. That was a resist, something I was resisting. I, I filed, um, put in my scholarship and application to become an infantry officer. I was resisting that. Um, I didn't want to be, I was scared as hell to become a ranger. I leaned into that. It, entrepreneurship. I didn't want to get out of the military, but I knew that if I got out of the military, that I could scale my business. I could help more people. I leaned into that. And that's why I'm living this life of freedom. I just bought my wife a uh, Lamborghini Urus. That's a quarter of a million dollar car. You don't do that by doing things that you're comfortable doing. 
the way that you, and that's a gift. You know what I'm saying? And I come from like, we were on welfare and food stamps and shit like that as a kid. So that is a crazy, crazy thing that I was able to accomplish. How did that happen? Well, I, I believe most people are living aimless lives. They're like a ship at sail with no compass or direction. They're out there just drifting around, right? So I like to live life with a very set intention, a destination. Now, I might not always get there. I might change where I'm going, but I'm going to be, I'm going to set a vision and I'm going to break down where I want to go into milestones. And I'm going to say, okay, and I teach this to my clients. I say, you, at all points in time, you need to have four areas of life that you want to get results in. Four areas, not one, not five, four. And the reason why is because four is manageable. If you stretch to five, you're going to be overstretched. You're going to drop the ball. Four is the perfect balance. So what I do is I every, I mean, my entire life is about casting a vision for where I want my life to go, taking that reverse engineering it, breaking that up into four areas of life that I want to see results in my business, my fitness, my finances, my family. Okay. Maybe I should, maybe I'm like, you know what? I feel like I'm lacking some spirituality right now. Let me bring that in. What if I'm, maybe I'm missing some philanthropy. Let me bring that in. What if I'm missing some fun? Okay. I'm going to bring that in. So I take this vision and I break it up into my big four. And then what I do, those are the four areas of life that I want to get results in. And then I turn those into smart goals. And then what I do is I take that and I turn that into daily action. I say, okay, what five actions can I take today to get closer to my four goals that I want to hit? I'll do, I do five actions because that gives me some flexibility. It allows me to double up on one of my goals, right? So if I got a revenue goal in the business, Maybe I want to do sales and maybe I'm going to do marketing. That's two actions in the day that are going to help me get the goal. So the bottom line here is that what I do is, yes, so I'm writing down five things I'm resisting that will help me get to the four outcomes I'm chasing. Now, within that, fitness is a really simple answer to a really simple example to go into. I'm actually, I train quite a bit and it's actually, I've, I've got this as a habit now to where I might not miss a workout, right? Mm -hmm. But what I, what I resist is things like morning cardio. Mm. Like I won't, I hate morning cardio. Okay. Yep. So let me write that thing down. Or yep. maybe I'm, maybe I've been on a streak with morning cardio and now I'm avoiding the gym. So I'm yep. like, all right, you know what? Let me put the gym down today. So every day I take inventory and what am I resisting that can help drive the results that I want to achieve in my life. And I put those on paper and I go to work. Those are the only things in my day that matter. If there's other stuff that I think matters, then it needs to become a goal. But the point here is that you got to confront your resistance. Sometimes the resistance is small, like doing sales calls or something like that, that you're just procrastinating. Other times it's other shit that like you really don't want to do. Like maybe it's a 103 mile race. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's finding ways to take that first step through your resistance to get what you want. Yeah. I think, I wonder what your thoughts are on also taking. So there's two aspects, I think, to this. Uh, I like the analogy of we could use a Lamborghini since we just, since you just referenced sure. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, If you're trying to drive a Lamborghini and you got your foot on the brake and you smash the gas pedal down and you're going full force with the gas pedal, your foot's on the brake. You're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to yeah. get very far at least. Yeah. Right? So on the other end of doing the things necessary to move you forward is letting go of the things that are putting the brakes on, letting go of the things that are holding you back. Right. Perfect, bro. So I'm wondering your thoughts on that. Do you look at it the same way? How do you go about, do you regularly process that? Do you look at that at a, on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis? Like yeah. what, what are your thoughts on eliminating the things that need to be eliminated? Because people have a hard time with that sometimes because they think that everything that they're doing is important, right? Checking off my to-do lists, um, even relationships, that's a hard one for a lot of people. I think to understand is sometimes the relationships that are around you, you, you sometimes you got to sidestep them. Sometimes you got to spend less time with people. Yeah. Sometimes you got to surround yourself with a different group of people, yeah. put yourself in a different environment. Um, at any rate, what do you, what, some of your thoughts? Yeah. So the, really what you're asking is how does somebody get focused on what's important and what's not, and what do they put on the list and what they don't, right? Well, the first thing that, they, that you need to do is most people have no idea what they're missing in life. They're running around feeling like they're empty, unfulfilled, not important. Un, like whatever, the, whatever their negative feeling is, they feel a way, but they can't figure out why they feel that way. They're like, why don't I feel like anybody wants to call me or talk to me? I don't feel like I have any friends. Like 
the reason, and so they're completely unaware. What I do with somebody is I make them aware. The first step is you got to get clear about what you're actually missing in life. Like, you know, how many people are out there that say that they want to start a business because really what they're missing is significance. They want to feel important or they want to feel freedom. And so they, oh, you know, I, I need to start a business. No, you don't need to start a business. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. But that's, that's a symptom of the problem. You, you are saying that if you start a business, you think that you'll be free. If anybody's ever started a business for longer than a year, you realize that that's a complete bullshit. You're going to work for everybody, all your employees, your staff. You're not. Yeah, you have autonomy and freedom. But my point is, is that what that person is searching for is much greater than what they've attached the goal to. Right. So my point is, is what I do with somebody is I have them get an under the hood look at what's going on in their life. I take them through the conquer wheel of life. I have several dimensions on this. And my mentor sat down with me. He said, Jeremiah. You're on, you're on A on the alphabet. You're trying to get to Z. Is you got, you got to go through all these different letters to get there. And I was struggling. I wasn't hitting my goals. I was frustrated. And this was right after like almost, you know, I put that gun to my head. And I was like, I got to get back on track. And so he sat me down. And, uh, well, this is actually what he told me. And I'll just tell the story and then I'll give you the strategy. He's like, Jeremiah, I want you to remember this. This is Major Steele. He's like, you know, I know I can tell you want you want to achieve more in life. I can tell you want to grow. You want to get your life together. You you don't feel good, man. You, you you know, you had a gun to your head. He's telling me all these things about myself. He's like, I can see where you're at and I can see where you want to go. You want to be more successful, happy and fulfilled. He's like, let me tell you a story. He's like, there's a boy. And the boy comes into his dad's office. The boy is like 7 years old. He's like, dad, wait, will you come play with me? And the dad's like trying to do his taxes or something. It's 7 p.m. at night. And he doesn't want to like disappoint the boy, but he also wants to finish his work. So the boy is like pressuring him. And he's like, man, I got to buy some time. How do I get this boy to go away so I can finish my stuff, right? He looks at the table. He sees a magazine there. Reaches down the magazine cover. He picks it up and there's a picture of the world on it, the globe. Okay. And he's like, hey, son, you know what? I will play with you. But I want you to do this puzzle first. And he grabs the magazine cover and he shreds it up into little tiny pieces, right? <laughs> he takes it to the other room. He puts it on the coffee table. And he's like, all right, come get me after you finish the puzzle. He's thinking he bought himself an hour or two, right? He's like, hey, man, this is going to take him a while. Five minutes later, the kid comes back in. Dad, dad, the puzzle's done. He's like, what the hell? How'd you finish this puzzle? He's like, there's no way. He's like, no, dad's done. So he goes into the room. He looks down at the coffee table. And sure as hell, the boy put the world altogether he's like what the hell how'd you do this he's like so how'd you do that son he's like well dad he's like you know after you ripped up the globe i i was looking at the magazine cover and on the back of the cover was a cartoon picture of this boy and i knew that if i wanted to get the world together all i had to do was put the boy together first mm. okay and my mentor told me that he said jeremiah you're over here struggling man I know where you're That's at. Good. Where you're trying to go, and he's like, "If you if you want to get all these results, we got to fix you, man." And uh, I'll never forget that day because it changed my entire life. And so what we started doing is he taught me his version of the conquer wheel of life. He taught me all the different areas that make up a human, a man, a woman, a leader. He said, "You're more than just your career. You, you your areas of life are a lot like a tire." And he, he talked to me about the alphabet analogy that I gave. He said, you're over here on A, trying to get to Z. And if you picture a tire, each one of the spokes represents a different area of your life. And to the amount that the tire, like to the, to the fullness of that area of your life determines the fullness of the tire. So if you're a level 10 out of 10 in fitness, that area of your tire is going to be inflated. But look at all these other areas in your life. Look at your spirituality. What do you rank out of that? What do you rank out of your relationships? And he's like, if we look at if we look at your entire life, like your life is this tire, you're flat, bro. And you're at the letter of A of the alphabet trying to get to Z. He's like, you might get there, but you're not going to get there fast. So he had me, he taught me where I was coming up short inside. And then we started putting goals into place. I started chasing those. And then through that, I developed confidence. I developed resilience. I failed. I found purpose and my life started to change. And I ended up getting out of the military through that process. I mean, this, it took some time. I was still in the military. I still, I even used some of the goal setting stuff that we taught or that he taught and I learned and 
this strategy for my career. And I advanced in my career. I got top blocked as a company commander inside of my unit using the strategy. But it was what he taught me that now I'm sharing with others. And I, I'm sharing all the lessons that my leaders have given me to everyone else around me so that they can improve their lives and improve the world. That's good, man. That story, I just got the chills. Yeah. Like when you hit that, when you hit that line, dude, I got the chills. That yeah. was that was pretty phenomenal. It gets me every time too, man. Dude, that was good. Um, so you talked, you started to talk a little bit about uh, goals and a little bit about problem solving. You started to go down that path. Um, one of the lines that you said in one of your recent podcasts was most people, um, most people, what most people are doing is chasing a symptom of a problem, not the problem itself. Yeah. Um, which is, which is very true because, uh, I think what you were talking about, I think maybe you referenced like trying to, uh, oh, I think you just talked about it. Um, you were talking about starting a business to try and overcome the feeling of wanting to be, uh, help people or whatever that was. Significance I, and freedom typically is what people yeah. associate with business, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so outside of finding yourself, so that's like the underlying thing. You have to figure yourself out is what I'm hearing. You have to, you have to figure yourself out. You have to figure your mind out, which is hard for people to do because I, I believe that our identity is what stands in between us and where we're trying to go anyway, because your identity is what's always trying to pull you back down to. Uh, I think of it as like a bunch of lobsters in a, in a boiling or crabs in a boiling pot of water. Yeah. One of them's trying to get out. The other crabs are just trying to pull them back down. Yeah. Um, and I think that's hard for us to understand that that's the case. We also look at it as like, why should I try and change myself? I should be okay with who I am. But I don't think that people appreciate that you have to be a different person to be able to achieve different things. Yeah. But is the thing is, is most people aren't who they are. Ah, so that's what I'm like. Most people are the byproduct of their insecurities and their weaknesses and not their strengths. They're, they're a byproduct of the negative perception they have of themselves, which is not who you are, who you are at your core is an infinite being who you are at your core is somebody that can do anything like human beings. Okay. Listen, human beings can like everything that we're doing right now was created by human beings, the world and work and material material items technology it was all created by man okay it wasn't created for man it was work was not created for man man created work so we have infinite potential inside of us that is who we are okay now think about this elon musk is using his mind and his potential to get everybody to mars and most people on the planet are pointing their mind at themselves and self-destructing they're talking, they're looking at all their flaws. They're looking at, oh, you know what? I don't have the perfect physique and I, and I, there's no way I'll ever get in shape. They're having the plum syndrome, poor little old me, right? Plum syndrome. <laughs> and, um, they're pointing, that's a giant weapon that they're pointing at themselves. So what I'm saying is that people like to hear, oh, you shouldn't have to change yourself, but you do need to change yourself because you're not being your true self. You are being your limitation. You are constantly telling yourself that you're not good enough, that you can't do it. That you're, you know, what if you try and you fail? These are limitations that you're putting on yourself. And so you are living in a way that's not true with your core and true with your potential. Okay. Humans are capable of incredible things. Like I said, we created work. We created technology. We literally created everything on the face of this planet, right? For the majority, like, you know what I mean? Outside but of nature. I, yeah, outside of nature. So we, we are like, we are infinite in our possibilities. And yet most people are sitting around wasting all of that potential. Okay, which is extremely selfish. So the core issue with somebody's self-image issue is that they're selfish. They care more about themselves than than rising up and showing others how to do a better job. Okay, so my whole my whole uh, mission, like I said, in life is to is to deliver, but it's to build leaders. Like I my job when I when I work with somebody, even like when I'm interacting with Jerry, when we met at the conference and everything like that, I'm looking at every single person. And I'm like, how can I make you more of the leader you were born to be? How can I do that for you? Because you're holding yourself back. Every single one of us is holding ourselves back. And I learned that through all of the evolutions that I went through in my military career and as an entrepreneur. Dude, you imagine like 
what it's like in life to make, you know, you make 1500 bucks in the military. And then all of a sudden, like, I, I laugh at a $1,500 day now. I'm like, dude, that's crazy, man. Like, I can't like, but my point is, is that these evolutions have come from me actualizing my potential. And I actually get so mad because I know I'm nowhere even close. Right. Mm -hmm. I know I'm still holding myself back. So, mm -hmm. so to recap on all this is that if somebody wants to know what they should cut from their life, which is what you asked a couple of questions ago, you need to get clear about what's important to you first. Okay. Figure out what's important to you first by going inside and figure out what you're actually missing and then say no to everything else or make it secondary, make the priorities the priorities. Okay. And then the next piece from all of that is you got to start studying yourself. You got to realize that you do need to change because you're holding yourself back. You are not, you are not living as the leader you were designed to be. And that's why you need to become more. Um, that's good. Here's my pushback, or at least yeah, here's the pushback. Yeah, here's yeah, the pushback yeah. out of here. How much time you got, by the way? I want to make sure I don't keep you. We got, we're at about 2.25 right now, 2.26. Bro, but I'm yeah. good. I'm, I'm good. Okay. Um, so, and I was going to start to turn us into personal development. So I think this is maybe a good transition time. Um, so here's the pushback that I hear in my head uh, or that I hear from outside voices, right? Yeah. Um, you need to start working out. You need to start reading books. You need to start doing this. And you start doing that. Well, well, if I do all that, then I'm spending time on myself and that's selfish because then I'm not spending time with my family or then I'm not spending time with my kids or then I'm not spending time at work or then I'm not spending time making money for my family. So spending time exercising is selfish because it's working on me spending time reading so that I can improve is selfish because it's working on me. That's mm -hmm. the pushback that I hear yeah. from outside sources. Yeah, it's complete bullshit. But the reason it's bullshit is because people aren't people, people that say that aren't setting the right intention. So if I go to the gym to escape from my family and get away, mm. that's not for them. That's for me. That's for my own, you know, whatever I'm escaping. Mm. But if I'm going to the gym to build myself into the best leader that I can be, that's a different intention. Who does my kids, who should my kids, who do they deserve to look up to? Do they look, should they look up to the dad bod guy? Is that a great example? Or, do, or should they look at you like your damn Superman? They should look at you like your Superman. So if you're going to the gym and you're going in there to invest time and discipline into yourself, it's a selfish act in in a selfless service way so you're going there to deliver that person mm. to the to the family around you okay so my my entire existence like when here's and everybody can if you think about this it's true for you your worst days your worst days in life are when you're pointing and looking at yourself you're criticizing yourself your best days are when you're being of service to others okay so the, the people that argue that it's selfish to take time out for yourself. No, it's not. It's actually selfless because you're building yourself into a leader that your family respects, your family wants to follow, and you're setting a damn example that society needs, a damn good example. And I think that we greatly underappreciate like setting examples for people. So one thing, another thing that a lot of people have a hard time with when it comes to setting examples is money. So like people look at society on average looks at people with money one percenters like whatever you want to call them and they go well that that person's got to be egotistical that person's got to be you know whatever the whatever the narrative is in their head but what what they don't understand is how number one that belief that thought that that person is egotistical because they have money is holding themselves back because they're then creating an aversion to money subconsciously mm -hmm. But also number two, like, yeah, there's a possibility that that person's egotistical, but there's also a possibility that the person driving the freaking Nissan Sentra is egotistical. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what in the world they're driving. That person could be trying to set an example. That person could be trying to show that, hey, if you work hard, you bust your ass, you do what you need to do, here's what you can achieve. Just like you're talking about with the dad, the dad who has a structured body, who has a structured regimen, who shows discipline, 
who yeah. shows what a person can be and what a man can be yeah. instead of fits into the regular category of what society has pulled us into is actually showing away instead of showing off. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's two sides to every coin, right? There's a positive direction and a negative direction in life. So you're either setting a good example or you're setting a bad example for your friends and your family. Now, human beings, the, the way that they learn is through example. Like you don't really change your behavior because of a book that you've read. You don't. You change your behavior when you start hanging out with other people that are doing better than you, that encourage you. You're in proximity to them when you see what right looks like. Like you change your behavior when you see it. So we have an obligation as leaders and, and families and companies to be the leader that they need. Okay. Like to be the leader that we would listen to. You know, and so the people that are talking about like, oh, going to the gym and investing yourself is selfish, you're full of shit. And you actually, you're, you, the reason you see it like that is because you are like that. Like the environment is your looking glass. So whatever I see in society is a reflection of me, right? So mm -hmm. I used, when I was a kid, I used to see people with nice cars come into my town from time to time. We didn't have a whole lot of them, but the time to time. And my poor, broke mentality, I would look at those cars. And I would say things like, he has something that I don't. He's probably a rich asshole. Hmm. But now guess what? That little boy grew up and be a man. And I got a freaking Urus parked outside my house, right? I'm not an asshole. I help a lot of people, dude. I got a positive attitude. If you call me, if anybody here messages me, and hits me up on Instagram, I'm going to do whatever I can to help you. And it's because I know what it's like to be where you're at and need some help. Okay, so what I learned when I was a kid, I saw what was inside of me. I didn't see what was true. I, I saw that, oh, it was a perception issue, right? And there's perception, like our perception is what creates our reality. So if I'm looking at something, there's more than one angle for it, right? If I'm looking at this computer, there's a front screen of it and there's a back of the computer, but I, can, I can't tell that there's a back screen through seeing it. I can only see the front screen. My perception would tell me that, that oh, there's only a front screen to this computer. However, if I get up and I move around, and I stop looking at life through my perception, I will see that there's a backside to it, right? So everything has a difference. So you're only seeing what is inside of you. You're, you're, you're limited to what you are perceiving in the world. Does that make sense? That's good. Yep. That's good. And we actually have a system inside of us called the reticular activation system that actually like literally adjusts to what is important to us, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the example that I always give is either a car or a pair of shoes. Like you go... Most people buy a pair of shoes or a car, not most people, but a lot of people will buy them because it's unique or they think sure. it's unique. Sure. I like this because I haven't seen it before, but the yeah. second you buy it, then you realize that they're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Now they're everywhere. When the world happened, all these people bought the car the day after I bought mine. Like yeah. Yeah. that's probably not the case. What, what is the case is your mind literally just started paying attention to it. For sure. So I think there is a lot to what you're saying, um, literally shifting your mind and what you're paying attention to regularly in your mind and then what you're like looking for in life like if you're looking at the negative things in life versus if you're looking at the positive things in life and people look at that as being realistic right like well i'm just being realistic if i'm thinking about the negative things or the negative things that are going to happen but like how is being realistic also not looking at the positive things yeah well that person that says that when, when, when a person only can see something from one point of view, they have a low level of awareness and a low level of understanding on how the mind works. Mm. Your mind is a fascinating tool. And I teach this thing called the mental Gerber. Okay. The Gerber? mental, yeah, Gerber. So yeah. you ever, you ever seen like a Swiss army knife? Yeah. So a Gerber is a military, you, you see them a lot in the military. They're kind of like a Swiss army knife, but it's called mm. a Gerber. Okay. And it's got like pliers on it. It's got okay. a knife on it. It's got yep. a bunch of tools on it, right? Got it. So I teach this thing called a mental Gerber, which, you know, it's like a Swiss army knife, a mental Swiss army knife. Your mind has a ton of tools that you can leverage to get what you want in life. So what a person, a person that has that issue, they can only see one angle of the problem or one side of a coin or whatever it is. They have an underdeveloped mental Gerber. They don't know how to use all the tools inside of their mind, right? There's some of these other tools that you have are things like your perception. All right. Another one is your memory. Another one is your willpower, your ability to focus. Okay. Another one is your consciousness. 
your mind has the ability to observe your own thinking, your own thoughts. We're the only species on the planet that we know that can do that. You're, you can observe your inner dialogue. Your mind can observe your own thinking. That's very, very powerful. You also have the ability, the mental Gerber tool of imagination. You can use this, you can use imagination to create whatever you want in life. You also have a mental tool called intuition. Your intuition is something everybody's familiar with, but it guides you. It's an invisible force that guides you towards right and wrong. It tells you like whether somebody's shady or not. My intuition is what I use most mornings when I'm trying to find what I'm resisting. Okay. So you have, you also have creation. Creation is different than imagination. Imagination is the ability to formulate images in my mind. Creation is the ability to create new ideas from nothing. So I can, I can, I think of the movie Terminator with the liquid Terminator. Um, mm -hmm. one. I can't remember the name. I got to get the yeah. name of that one. I think it's three. Is it three or two? But uh, two. Two. Terminator. Yeah, two. Yep. Terminator two, where that Terminator is coming at you and it can change shape yeah. and form and literally create whatever the hell it wants, right? So that's creation. Well, when a person can't see something from more than one angle, they have an underdeveloped mental Gerber tool. And what they really need to do is develop their perception, their mental tool perception to be able to see a different way and get around the problem. Now, the things that, you know, if you, if you want to know what separates a, a six figure earner from a seven figure earner, eight figure nine, whatever, I've worked with them all. It's their perception. It's how they're perceiving the world that's around them and their environment. They're seeing solutions. They're just not seeing the world the same way that a six figure or below earner sees the world. So what we really need to do is just study ourselves more. This is why I say personal development is so important. The more we study ourselves, the more we can understand different perceptions. We can develop our mental, our, our mental Gerber tools and we can get what we want. But uh, you know, a person will never get what they want by living in that sort of way. Okay. You guys got to understand, like everybody that's listening, you have to understand how important personal development is. Like you need it like you need a shower, okay? Personal development wears off, right? Like and so does a shower. So what do you do? You shower again, you shower again. You got to keep it fresh. And the reason why is because personal development, it equips you with the weapons that you need to fight the internal war within. All right. So, so you got like, you got doubt, guess what? Fear. You can use your mental Gerber tools. If you study these and you work on your personal development to overcome those things and, and get what you want. It is the most powerful thing on the face of the planet. So everybody should be building personal development into their life, developing their mental Gerber and, and studying themselves because you're just in your own way. That's the only reason you haven't gotten the results that you're after. The mental Gerber. That's good. The, that's really good. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, there's no doubt that like you just see it. You just see it. It's very pervasive, like you said. Just having a hard time. People having a hard time not only seeing their own thoughts and how their own thoughts are skewing how they're doing things and how they're perceiving things, but like how they're not maybe able to connect with the person in front of them and just not able to like understand how they're thinking and understand the way that they're going about things and be somewhat empathetic to that. Not that you need to accept maybe if you think that they're not going about things in a productive way, but like mm -hmm. the ability to communicate with another human being and empathize with them and, and uh, connect with their thoughts in some way, shape or form. Like that's been lost, I think in our society because we're so busy on a phone text messaging people instead yeah. of actually communicating with people face to face. But you know, it's not only ourselves that we're that we're having trouble with mentally. It's 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 other people, man. I mean, we just we just struggle with that big time. Well, you know, we're not really set up for success. Like, why is it that somebody can go through the entire academic system and they get to the end of it? They know nothing about themselves. They know nothing about the art of achievement and getting what you want in life. They only know how to be a worker bee. And by the end of their career path, they're lost. They have no purpose. They're miserable and they just fall into some job. That's the majority of people. Okay, so we're not really up against like there is some incredibly smart people out there that are living miserable existences and they're broke too. like they you have these doctors, you have these lawyers out there. They went to school. They followed a plan that somebody else gave them. They thought they were going to become something. It wasn't what was actually inside of them. And then they get out. They're spending too much. They don't have any self-worth. So they're filling that gap with things that don't actually give them self-worth. And the next thing you know, they're 
successful, but they're unfulfilled and they're actually broke inside. So why is that? Why can we have so many smart people with such shitty results in life? And it's because we're not taught anything about ourselves at a young age. We're not taught how to develop our mental Gerber tools. We're not taught to study yourself. Hey, Jerry, understand that you have a thing called imagination that if you get faced with the problem, you can just hit that button, activate it or flip that tool open and use it. You can, you know, you have an issue with somebody, open up your perception, change that. And not only that, but you can strengthen all of these. Okay. Like, and you naturally do throughout the course of your life. If you want proof, just look at how you treat kids. Like if a kid is angry at you and he comes up and he wants to fight you, are you going to fight him? No. You don't fight him because you understand what he's doing. He's like, he's just being a kid, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you have the perception, you can think like him. So, you know, these are something that's available to everybody. And all I would really just encourage everybody to do is just start, start studying personal development, start getting into the books and understanding yourself more and the potential and the power that's inside of you because your life will get so much easier. It'll still be difficult but you'll have an easier time navigating it with these mental Gerber tools and this personal development inside of you and clip with you inside of you. As the saying goes, I heard this the other day and I liked it a lot. Um, bad habits are easy to develop, to develop, but hard to live with. Good habits are hard to develop, but easy to live with. And I don't, I just, I think that's way underappreciated. Yeah, man. I love that habit quote. One, one I'll toss in there for the listener is the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. Mm, I really good. like that one. Yeah, that was good. You're either making a habit or, or like a good one or you're, or you're breaking one, right? No doubt. Brother, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your straight talk. Um, I think, you know, my hope is that people walk away from this conversation because because a lot of people that we've talked to a lot on this podcast and admittedly, I'm I'm guilty of it myself. Is, you know, it's not it's a little softer, it's a little um, less direct, it's a little not not about like, here's what you need to do. Like it, the simple fact is you're getting in your own way. And and I think sometimes we just need to be told that because the world is just and grab and engrossed in this like playing kitty hands with each other so i appreciate the straight talk yeah, um man. where do people find you yeah man guys um i know i i uh <laughs> i probably have a lot of fire in my voices all no, time I, I promise I you i'm super approachable and mm -hmm. uh if you guys want to reach out i would love to connect with you i'm, I'm mostly on instagram my instagram is jeremiah solvin so it's just at uh, J E R A M I A H S O L V E N. And if you guys like, um, you know, hit me up, let me know that you like say Jerry or something like that in the, the DM. Cause I get a lot in there and I'll know where you guys came from. It'll help me shorten the learning curve and, um, I'll get to know you guys and we can chat and everything. Uh, guys also go check out his business conquer Academy, uh, on Instagram. It's also just at conquer Academy. Correct. Yeah, we do. So depending on where you're at in life, if you know, we have these things called a breakthrough strategy session. Hmm. So if you're like in that situation, like I was where I created this because I wanted to deliver something that really helped somebody out that was in a rough patch or stuck at a plateau searching. So we have these breakthrough sessions that are designed. Uh, they're about 45 minutes, 30 minutes or so. And you go in, my team's going to ask you a bunch of questions and they're going to figure out where you're holding yourself back and give you next steps. To move forward now there's two paths at the end of that call it's like if you want to learn more about my business you can ask about that that's one path sure but the main goal of the call which i and if they don't do this to you you guys need to let me know but they they, they will do it because i've trained them over and over again I, you can inform them about the business that's fine but you are to give them next steps on how they can improve themselves to move forward and they will do that i've never had an issue with it so you can go to conqueracademy.com and there's a link there um, make sure you type in www. I've had some issues with that in the past, but, uh, conqueracademy.com. There's a free breakthrough strategy session on there. You can sign up, go in, get a strategy to help break through the plateau that you're at, whether you're an under six figure entrepreneur, mom, a dad, um, a seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneur. We help everybody, man. So it looks, click it, check it out and be ready for a good conversation. that will help you figure out where you're, oh, that was my dog be ready for a conversation that'll help you get back on track. Thanks again, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, I love the good customer service, man. I'd love to hear that passion behind that, uh, that phone call. So that's super cool. Yeah. Jeremiah, I appreciate you so much, brother.
Yeah, dude. Anytime. Glad, glad to have me on. And uh, guys, if it, there's one last thing I can say, it's just, hey, if I gave you value today, like put something into action. Number one, I don't like it when there's just info seekers. Put something into action. Take action today on something I said, whether it's a daily action plan, suffering Saturday, or uh, you know, leveraging one of the the tools that I gave in the mental Gerber. But put something into action, and um, that's all that I got, Jerry. Appreciate you, dude. You hear that, people? Go get it done. All right, y'all. Till next time.